Welcome to the What's In My Head podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and thanks for checking out the audio format of our show. If you want to watch these episodes, check us out on YouTube. Just type in youtube.com slash what's in my head podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as I bring you a piece of your childhood each and every week. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button here as well as on YouTube. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms. That's where I'll ask you, the fans, to drop a question or two for our upcoming guests. You can find us on social media by searching at In My Head Pod. If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. All right. Today on the What's in My Head podcast, I've got Peter Kalamis. Peter, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, you know, power of uh, technology and magic. They don't get to see, you know, the little troubles and strifes we just went through. Uh, so, but just pick it up from the top, man. You played Rolf and Ed, Ed and Eddie, one of my favorite cartoons of all time. Um, how did you get in contact or how did you get hooked up with Danny and then get on this show? <clears throat> well, I had actually, uh, and I've told this story before at conventions because I get that question a lot. Uh, I read for every single one of the Eds, every oh. one of them. Yeah. Went, you know, Ed read for Ed, nothing. Double D, nothing. Uh, Eddie, nothing, nothing. So the parts were, you know, exhausting themselves because I just wasn't getting hired. And then I went <clears throat> with somebody else who was auditioning mm-hmm. kind of late in the process. And uh, I was literally waiting outside of the studio. And then uh, it was um, Terry Clausen, the director of the series, who's a good buddy of mine now to this day, uh, comes running out and he says, hey, we're trying to cast for this foreign kid named Rolf. And here's the sides so i just got the you know the dialogue handed to me and he's like yeah they just want kind of a nondescript uh you know european accent of some kind or so. and that was it i had about five minutes with it and then just went in and it was like you know hello it boys and then off <laughs> and then off off we went off to the races and uh you know 10 years later and a, a number of movies and specials later um here i am talking to nice folks like yourself years years past the record date of the show and it's just co- always cool to, to, to hear that people enjoyed it and still enjoy it and that it's uh that it brings back fond memories i, I get that's the comment that i think i appreciate the most at conventions meeting people is that they grew up with the show and they have great memories of sitting around and watching the show and laughing at the show and and joking around with friends and all that stuff so you're uh, you're actually the third person from the show i've had on i've had matt hill which was ed and then nice. I've had uh, Mike Kubat, which was obviously longtime writer. Um, and everybody says the same thing whenever the characters come up. And I always ask, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite to write for? Who is your favorite on set? And everybody points their fingers towards you. And really? so, yeah, <laughs> uh, and it's, like I was telling you earlier, I mean, Rolf had my favorite insult and something that I always throw around to my friends, whether they're white, <laughs> black, blue, green, or whatever it was the confess to your crimes. You stale end of white bread. It is one of the most, I can't, pre- I can't put into words. It's like, it's so like lowbrow as far as like, you know, insult goes, but it's just like, it hits hard and home so well. And it's fantastic. I mean, was that off the cuff for you or was that something that was scripted? No, no. Danny was very meticulous with uh, his scripts and his lines. And uh, my God, he used to put the three heads through hell sometimes because they had like (laughs) just a simple line. It's like, what are you talking about? 
that was it, you know, yeah. 30, 40 takes. And everybody in the room is like, what, what the hell? What is he looking for? Yeah. But he had, Danny had a very specific line delivery in his head and you, you had to keep going until you, you got it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think the quality of the product kind of is a testament to, you know, that worked, you know, he, he had, he had a very clear vision of what he wanted. But I, I was lucky. For me, it was a gift every time I went in because yeah. I knew that there was going to be some sort of Rolf Gold in the <laughs> script somewhere that I got to mine, you know. And I did. I, I was the recipient of these great lines like that. And I, I still remember to this day, like, the cast would crack up. For the first number of years, they had us all in the room together. And yeah. I guess we just got into too much shit. We just, <laughs> just too much laughing, too much joking around. And then they split us up. Like yeah. it, it was like a naughty kindergarten class. It's like the Eds will record one day and then everybody else will be on another day. <laughs> but I remember those days uh, when we were all together in the room and uh, God, the laughter was just, cause I, I gear up cause I knew it was a hilarious line coming and I got to do it. it was, so it was a treat for me. But Erin Fitzgerald, I just remember her, she would laugh her ass off and at the end just, oh my God. At the end, <laughs> barely breathing. And I was like, I know it's right. There. I didn't write it, but it's this guy's Rolf's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he, he's when I started watching the show and I told uh, I told Mike this story um, when this show was like hot and heavy for me, um, I was shit. I want to say sixth or seventh grade, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And I would get up every day at six o'clock in the morning because I had to be at the bus at seven thirty. And I liked mm -hmm. eating a hot breakfast. Brothers and sisters, they'd all eat cereal or some some shit like that. I like eating. I'm from Florida and from the South. So I like grits and eggs and, you know, I wanted Denny's like breakfast. So I'd always get up a little early and start cooking. And then I had gotten a uh, cockatiel, right? I always wanted a bird. Yeah. Mom wouldn't let yeah. me get a pigeon. Um, so cockatiel was what it was at. And I would always, you know, have Cartoon Network on and Ed, Ed and Eddie would play. And the theme song to Ed, Ed and Eddie, he the memorized. Whistling. Yes. The whist he, no way. Yes. I'm dead serious. He memorized the entire song yep and what no sucked way. is he did that the entire school year right summer comes around i get to sleep in right six o'clock rolls around and you know when you, when, you, when you send the when you send the birds to sleep you put a little cover over them so they know it's nighttime and they get yeah they get cold right so i put a little blanket over them and then six o'clock it was like my eyes open because and my bird's name was nacho um because i've always had this fascination with food um, and so I named him Nacho and then Nacho just starts kicking off the Ed, Ed and Eddie theme song on the That's first hilarious. damn day of school of, of summer. Um, That's so funny, man. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it, it's always interesting on, you know, not just what gets picked up, but what you remember from your favorite shows being that stale into white bread or being that my bird woke me up on a consistent basis with Ed, Ed and Eddie. Um, and I think that's kind of like why it, 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 it hits still to like to this day, it, it's one of those cartoons that hits you in the heart. Um, right. When you were working on this, did you guys know you were onto something? We knew we were having a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, I mean, we were, it got recorded in Vancouver, Canada. <sighs> and so we, we couldn't even watch it for the first few years. Yeah. You know, we didn't even have access. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't even have access to it. So all this stuff was happening, you know, south of the border. And, and I think other countries at that point were starting to expand. Uh, and we really didn't know what was happening. You know, it's like this wall was up and we're like, what's happening down there? 
<laughs> and I remember this this one year they they flew us all to uh, Comic Con in, in San Diego, and that was the first kind of uh, real face to face direct interaction with fans on on a because we were in one of the sizable halls in um, at the convention center there, and it was packed. It yeah. was packed, and we got up, you know, and they said, you know introduce yourselves and hey you know i'm matt hill and uh, down and down. i am robert and the, <laughs> the, place, the place went bananas and it was like you know you have these rock star moments sometimes that, that was one of them for me because it was like uh, it was really cool yeah and we did and we did signings and people would come up and, and you know can you do this can you say this line and sure you know it's it's i, I love going to those things what was the craziest thing and if you, if you can't say it because you know it, it, it'll get you in trouble or anything what, do you remember the craziest fan experience you ever had when they wanted you to say some crazy something crazy? Um, one funny one mm -hmm. was uh, it, it wasn't a Rolf one; it was a Goku one. Yeah, because I, I did one of the original voices of Goku. Yep. So <clears throat> I was at a convention. I had my banner up behind me. You know, it said you know Peter Klamis, Rolf, Goku, and all this stuff. And this kid comes up. Uh, I think it was like. Chowing down on a churro or something because he was like, <laughs> "It's a fantastic." And he cut. And he cut. Well, it is. And he <laughs> comes up, looks at the banner, looks at me, looks at the banner, and he goes, "Uh, you were Goku." I go, uh, "Yeah, let's hear it." <laughs> so then I fire out a Goku line, and he goes, "Huh, must have been a long time ago." And then off he goes. Out he goes. Lays down his insult, and off he goes. What a like, dick. Get, get this little dick child it's horrible get him out of here there's what other profession can you possibly have where you can go to a convention you pay money to see yeah. somebody you know trying to trying to meet the fans shit on said person <laughs> and walk away. like I, I like i work in the kitchen nobody well no i take that back a lot of people shit on people that work in the kitchen uh, right. oh it's too cold or oh it's too spicy or insert whatever here so i guess it's i guess par for the course but what a dick <laughs> and it and it's happened in other areas of work that i've done like i was on stargate uh for a couple of years on stargate universe and that that series was very different from the other one so we get a, we got a lot of flack initially for whatever reason they targeted us that for the cause of the yeah. new look of the show but I would have people come up all the time at conventions and say, oh, can, yeah, can I buy that signature? And I'd sign it. Oh, okay, that, yeah. And they'd say, yeah, I love Stargate. I didn't care for your show, but I loved Stargate. Thanks very much for, okay, all right. Just, I loved everything right. that you didn't do. That didn't mean yeah. Nothing. Well, at least I'm getting your money, I suppose. So somebody's winning. It was, <laughs> it's a little bizarre, yeah. But. It's, it's it, People are weird, especially people at conventions. And I, I'm one of those guys, if you can't tell, it's... Yeah, you got some gear in the background there. I see. It. Uh, my wife says it's a sickness, um, and I'm starting to agree yeah. with the tad bit. <laughs> yeah, um, but I like to fill myself not only with people that I like, but it's also things that make me feel good. And you know, Ninja Turtles and everything else in here kind of makes me awesome. feel good. So I guess it's a win. Um, I'm still waiting on those Ed Ed and Eddie pops to you know start hitting, populating. So I can you know what. I, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet because um, I mean, there's a lot of throwback pops yeah. from various shows and I'm just surprised they haven't taken advantage of that one yet. Now with everything coming back and everything, you know, retro is in vogue now at these days, you know, every, every, everything comes back eventually. 
Um, right. You know, you've seen it with Hey Arnold and Bader Zim, Rocco's Modern Life, you know, Nickelodeon mm -hmm. cartoons. Mm -hmm. um, have they approached you guys at all to possibly bring this back again um, for the next generation? Or is it something that, you know? I think the cast um, would be more than, you know, ecstatic to be able to do that. I don't know if Danny Antonucci is, if that's something that he really wants to do. Yeah. I think he wants to move on to other things, but that's just me, uh, you know, yeah. uh, kind of estimating or, or just thinking about what uh, he might want or no, not yeah. want to do. I think he ran his course on that. And I think he's moving on to other things, but uh, you know, it'd be great if he changed his mind. I think we would all love to jump back into that. Uh, Cause it, like I say, it was so much fun. Yeah. I mean, that is a fantastic market for it. I mean, like I said, with, especially with kids that are now adults that watch this as kids, um, right. You know, there's for sure a lot more money, you know, especially disposable income um, when it comes to people like me that grew up on this stuff, you know, so it's yeah. nice to really see it come back. Um, mm -hmm. Now, you said you worked on Goku or worked on Dragon Ball Z with Goku, and I've actually got the right those back there. Those are the only animes that and my cool. hero were the only ones that I ever really read and watched because it's a very strange, it's a very strange genre. And um, I try to find stuff that me and my kid can watch together. And right. Dragon Ball Z and My Hero were the ones that, you know, we connect on the most. Cool. Um, what was, was that the same kind of set where you guys were all playing in the same sandbox or you guys were all in the same area? Or is that separate since you guys were dubbing over? Yeah, it was separate. We would go in individually and, uh, and do our lines. And <clears throat> with that one in particular, there was so much screaming involved that after the first few episodes, they realized that we were blowing our voices out. Yeah because we would do a line and then scream for 20 minutes and then do another line and then scream for another 20 minutes. And then they started, we started going in and they'd say, okay, we're going to do all your dialogue first and then have you scream for an hour instead, oh, yeah. just go straight. And then, you know, you could record for a couple of days. It was that bad. Um, even Cor uh, Corlette was a great buddy of mine. Same thing, you know, the screaming would, would really take Correct. its toll. Yeah. Now, when, because uh, I always hear, I've asked a bunch of you guys for the voice actors, um, like, what do you guys do uh, when you have to use that so much? Are you a tea drinker? Do you just chug honey like some people do? Or what, what do you do when your throat's, you know, when you have to yell and shit? Um, how do you recuperate? You know what? We were kind of the earlier kind of pioneers. I mean, maybe I'm dating myself, but we wouldn't do anything. You know, most <laughs> people wouldn't do anything. You know, if you had a sore throat, a little chloroseptic spray or something that morning. But, you know, I never really did anything different. I didn't do any kind of morning ritual training or anything like that. And uh, th I hope that's not going to get across as arrogant. It's just, we never oh, thought, we, did, we never thought to do it yeah. unless there, unless there was a problem. Mm -hmm. um, obviously more people that are more professional nowadays probably take better care of their voices than we did at the time. Um, you know, as it does when you could go smoke a cigar in a bar and order a, order a scotch and you're like, ah, I got to work in the morning. <laughs> Nobody cared. <laughs> um, we seem to get through it okay, but uh, yeah, nothing special, um, you know, especially after you had done the voice for a while, like that. When usually when you get in there, they, they would, early on in, in the recording process, they'd say, oh, do you want to hear your ref? So they would have <clears throat> a, a few lines of dialogue that they would play for you to refresh your memory. And mm -hmm. we were on that show for so long that, you know, after about a year or so, I was like, yeah, we don't need the refs. I think we got this. Now, if you took out the screaming portion, right, and all you had to really focus on was normal dialogue and you didn't have to wreck your throat, right? Uh, then you look at both Dragon Ball Z and Edit and Eddie. Which one, I'm assuming it's going to be Rolf because I, I just figured that character is a lot more fun to play than Goku was. 
Um, but is that is that about right? I mean, did you enjoy Rolf more than Goku? Or are they equal for different reasons? Or no, Rolf was a lot more fun to do. I mean, yeah. just because of the nature of the character and the nature of the show, it was just you know when you go to work and you just laugh your ass off the entire time you're there, and then they give you a paycheck at the end of it. I mean, you're uh, <laughs> it's a pretty cool place to be. Yeah. Um, so you know, I was lucky to get the gig. Um, and lucky to work with such a, an amazing group of people because it was uh, it was just fun every day. I you know I, I don't know what else I could say, but it was fun. Yeah. Now, yeah. When, when looking back on that, uh, do you have a few lines or you know a few scenes of both what you liked as Rolf, but do you have scenes that you know maybe Rolf wasn't in that you really liked? There was ones that I was in that I was scary. I remember when we did the <laughs> the Christmas special, and then. I got there and they're like, oh, we're going to have you sing a song. And I'm like, what? What? Because I'm not a singer. And I had to sing the uh, Yech My Yek song, which was this mythical old lady creature that it's hard to describe what she is. <laughs> but but I, I had to launch. I think I got it in two takes. And, and I think I got lucky because I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm either going to be here for six hours <laughs> or it's going to be like one or two takes and then it's not going to get any better. So luckily it was the two take thing, but uh, it moved, the song moved really fast and it was like, oh, yeah, my, yeah, da, 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 da. it was that kind of pace. Luckily I got it done. It was like, all right, let's move past this. <laughs> now, is it, because uh, like when I've talked to a lot of you guys, they, they say that uh, singing obviously is a lot different because it's not your natural voice and there's, there's right. actors that can and then there's actors that can't. Um, what makes it so difficult? Is it just because it, it feels so foreign or is it just more stress on your vocal cords or? I think I'm a, I'm a horrible singer. I think that's what it was <laughs> for me. Um, many times uh, in shows, the networks or studios will have different people doing the dialogue that do the singing of the same character. So like My Little Pony, which I've been on a few times, many of the performers on that show have a separate actor doing their singing. Okay. So Not it's just kind of... of so oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, just because whatever, it's not a matter that some of the the people on that show can't sing. Like Shannon Kent is on that show, and she's an operatic performer. She's fantastic, yeah. so she could do it. I, um, but other ones, you know, that's not their forte, or they just want it to sound a little different. So that that's what they do. Now, whenever you, I I, I never knew that uh, like when they offer you guys a role and if they're singing in it, that they would cast it as somebody else. Maybe it's just some, something I wasn't listening hard enough to. Um, but do they just go and try to find somebody that sounds like, you know, would they go and find uh God damn, I'm having a stroke today. Would they go and find somebody that sounds like you or would they go and yeah. how was that process? I mean, we're not, we're not part of that process, but that, that is it. They, they just want somebody who's convincingly sounds enough like you singing. Yeah. Uh, than the, as you do at, uh, doing the voice of the character. Now, and, and then you said that uh, you were doing My Little Pony. What was yeah. it like meeting your first brony? Well, I, I knew, oh, brony, first yeah. brony. That, those are strange conventions, yeah. you know? <laughs> they're, they're, I, I had actually watched the documentary first, mm-hmm. um, which is called Bronies, I believe. Is it? Yes. And that was fascinating to me because it was well prior to me being on the show, but it was... You know, when I say it's a, it's kind of a weird one, I don't mean that in a bad way. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and the, the, this is the best way to convey that. A friend of mine um, who's an actor in town here had, a, had another friend of his who, who's Stargate guy, 
and he would go to conventions with him sometimes. And then somebody like told him, pardon me. Did they like his work in Stargate or did they tell him they didn't like his work either? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I think he got along good with Paul McGillian. They loved him. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they told my friend Ken, that they go, oh, those conventions, those, those are weird, huh? And he's like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, you know, people get all dressed up and, you know, they're all freaks and stuff. And then like, and he goes, this is the best example to, I've ever heard. He goes, well, you're okay with somebody painting their face green and gold and cheering for the Vikings. You're fine with that. You know, a guy without a shirt, minus 10 weather, flashing his belly and screaming at the top of it. You're okay with that, yeah. but you're not okay with somebody dressing up like a pony, not hurting anybody, meeting uh, same-minded people or like-minded people and, and, and enjoying what they like. There's, there's nothing the matter with it. And that, that's probably what I realized the most when I started going to these conventions. It's like, you know what? There, there's nothing the matter with any of these people. A lot of them are, are kind of introverted. You get a lot of people that are not, are, are socially awkward. Yeah. And, and I find it amazing that they have the courage and the nerve to go and, and make friends. That's, mm -hmm. they, they make like lifelong friends. Some of them, sometimes you have to coax them over to the table because they're standing like 20 feet away and they're looking over and like looking away and they're really insecure. And you're like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, oh, good. And then, you know, you start a bit of a dialogue and, and uh, conventions are a great way for people to just get out and, and meet other people who are interested in the same thing. Yeah, it's like I didn't go to my first one probably until 2012, 2013. Um, and I'm just a comic book guy and I love TV shows and movies and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah. uh, and my head doesn't work like most people does where, uh, you know, they can just recall, you know, a panel on 70 issues ago that happened in February of whatever year. I, and I'm not like that. But right. going and seeing different people but we're all there for the same cause. And it's never been, I've never been in a place that's been nicer as a, yeah. you know, as a, as a general consensus. It's everybody's always, Oh man, great costume. Or, Oh man, can I get a picture with you? Um, you did great. You know, it's absolutely so uplifting. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. How many times have you seen somebody dress up as Rolf? Uh, a few. Yeah. A few. At, at Dragon Con, uh, there was a group of people that came as all essentially all the main characters mm -hmm. including including ralph yeah and i got a photo with them and stuff and uh, it was pretty cool How was actually one, one one of the things that that i bring to conventions is uh i brought it here is this is this guy right <laughs> so i i i a little secret for me it's like one of my favorite classes in school was uh, woodworking i like working with wood building things and just mm -hmm. I, I like it so i i make these um and the first time I took them to a convention, it was a KamehaCon, which is a Dragon Ball Z convention in Dallas. And I think I had like 20 of them and they were gone in like a half an hour. Yeah. And I had people showing up all weekend going, do you have any more planks? And I was like, no, I, I don't. I didn't know they were going to be this popular. So now I bring like stacks of these things and I can't even hold on to them. Uh, they're, I'm still amazed. Like I say, I'm still amazed that, you know, over 20 years later, um, people still come up and go, I need, I need plank. Has there, has there ever been a more over character that had no dialogue and Nothing. i mean he just he was just stood there the entire or even stand there he was held there the entire he was time. held there the entire time it was fantastic i remember when they first described plank to me because they they um 
they wanted me again to read for all the characters. I'm like, well, what's this character like? And they like, well, he's kind of a loner and he, <laughs> he's, he carries around a piece of wood and the piece of wood's his best friend. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll pass. I'll do somebody else. Uh, I don't know about that one. Um, it, it's, it, that character's so great. And so is Rolf, but one I really, really like as well with this show was Jimmy. And yeah, Jimmy's revenge was one of when he was just like, right. his hair was all greased back. You know, <laughs> all he was missing whenever he came on the scene was just him snapping his fingers, walking over to somebody, you know, just yeah. that, that, that you very rarely do you see like all these different eclectic characters, right? Yeah. It not feel forced or it not feel like, you know, like just jumbled or whatever. Everything was just so cohesive. Everything flowed so evenly. And yeah was all of these characters flushed out completely by Danny or did he, did he get anything else from you guys or? I think he got what he needed at, at the auditions and he's, mm -hmm. you know, cause a lot of times you, you get a description of the character. If you're lucky, you get a photo or a sketch of the character. That that's what I benefit from the most. Yeah. Cause if I see a character and go, okay, well, this is, this is what I think this person's going to sound like. So I think during the audition process, he got what he wanted, but um, it's always really cool. The first day you're in, you know, yeah episode one where you get to hopefully be in the room with people see them do their thing it's really cool to see words turn into entities yeah. in front of your eyes and it's really cool and you're talking about jimmy uh that was that was voiced by keenan and he, when he was doing it he was like 15 years old i think when he started mm -hmm. the show so it was like his first gig he's 15 this kind of big tall kid you know uh lanky and just really quiet and then so it was perfect to hear him you know be the, yeah, 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 yeah. it was it was like <laughs> that's him that's him you know who uh I, I can't my my brain's running a blank but who played ed's sisters um the canker uh, sisters no 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 ed's sister uh was it sarah oh sarah yes 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 yeah who, do you remember who played her I think there were two, and I'm gonna look this up to refresh my own memory because she scared the hell out of me. Oh no, ja sorry, no, no, Sarah, uh, Janice, Janice showed one of my Janice, uh, who was great, <laughs> and again and again, she she's this you know lovely uh, young lady, and like uh, yeah, she just erupt into this manic assault of yeah. vocals, you know, and it it would, you're right, it would scare you. <laughs> It's, it's always funny when you guys get, and I've said it hundreds of times and people are probably tired of hearing it. Uh, when you guys get a character, it's, it's you know, two-dimensional, right? It's flat. Right. And yeah. then when you guys get it and you guys put your spin on it, you put you into that character. Yeah. You know, it really makes them three-dimensional. Um, what were some of those factors, or not factors, I'm sorry, but what were some of those elements in that character, Rolf, that you really like just latched onto instantly? What made him so fun? I mean, for me, I come from a Greek background. My parents are first generation Greeks in the country. So when you go anything above that in the lineage, my grandparents didn't speak a lick of English. They were small villagers in Greece. Uh, so all, a lot of my relatives there were the same, came from the same kind of background. So the whole idea of like, you know, Rolf having meats and goats and pigs and stuff all over the place. Like, you know, I remember those images as a kid visiting my distant relatives in their very small towns that they lived in, you know, farmers and 
So that part I connected with right away and having an accent, uh, I, I grew up hearing accents. I mean, my parents had a you know, thick Greek accents. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of second nature to me. So that part, maybe that's what drew me to it. Or maybe that's what landed me the part is I, I was just used to that. Uh, now, I didn't know you were Greek. I actually work in a Greek restaurant. What's your favorite Greek food? Oh, man. Uh, tiropita. I like tiropita. Um, moussaka is a great, but the chicken souvlaki is a chicken souvlaki dinner with the rice potatoes. That I could eat that every day with a big lop of uh, tzatziki on the side. Right? We've been, uh, we, the place I work at is called the Greek Village in uh, Lake Mary, Florida. And me and my wife, we actually went to our first date before we were dating. It was like she worked for my mom and I worked for my mom. Right. And that's kind of how we met. And then we've been going there for 13, 14 years now at this point. Cool. Uh, and then they they offered me uh, they offered me a job. And I'm like, I mean, well, uh, my other place let go of us. COVID, so yeah, let's 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 go here. I've never worked with Greek food before. I've right. eaten a lot of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then first first day crash course of just learning everything. One, I learned I couldn't cut Euro meat to save my life. Uh, <laughs> two, I didn't realize like when we, when we make tzatziki, we make big five gallon buckets worth of yogurt. Oh um, yeah, and we generally do two of those. And then my hands smelt like dill and cucumbers um, for, mm-hmm. and I, this is after wearing gloves. Um, it smelled like dill and cucumbers for probably a good three days after. Um, right. Fantastic food, man. I love, we have the chicken Slovakia on the menu. Um, oh yeah. The, uh, the uh, pasticho is another one we do. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a whole bunch of this stuff that, that, uh, you know, you start naming off. I just, I start smelling it now. And I go Oh yeah. Tomorrow, so. And your first day of work, it was probably like, uh, this is where we keep this. This is there. This uh, the garlic chamber. <laughs> With this just garlic in here. Well, the first day was, uh, it was interesting because I sat down and the guy's name, his name is Evie. Um, he was yeah. born in Greece, came over here, I think uh, around middle, middle school age, right? Um, so he was, and he's a very sweet guy, very nice guy. Uh, yeah. And he was like, I just want to warn you about the lady that works back here because she's from Albania. Um, she's very protective um, and she's very scary. So just so be careful. Um, <laughs> she's all of like five, she is essentially female Rolf. Um, <laughs> just just uh, <laughs> very scary, but she's yeah. a very sweet lady. Uh, she's she's warmed up to me quite a bit and me to her. So, um, yeah, that's it, great. It was, it was a nice little, uh, like I said, every time I see her, that's who, the character I think of. I think of Rolf. Um, but uh, well, I, I got to uh, <clears throat> to use my relatives as a voice once. Well, more probably more than once, but once very specifically. Mm-hmm. It was a show called uh, uh, Class of the Titans, an animated mm-hmm. series. And uh, I went in again, read for a few of the male roles, like it's a young Zeus and it's based on, you know, the Greek gods and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they had Zeus's grandmother. Um, and, you know, I, I read a bunch and they're like, okay, anything else? And I said, yeah, I wanted to read for uh, Zeus's grandmother, grandma, Her- or, or, sorry, Hercules's grandmother. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, no, 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 I'm serious. I want to read for, uh, and they're like, okay, okay. So I just basically did my mother, Sorry, my grandmother. It's like, oh, Hercules, you look so tired. Why don't you go to bed? So it was it had some Rolf isms in there, but it it is an impression of my grandmother. And then I got the part. Now, uh, 
you brought up Zeus and we're trying to get something on the menu. We don't know what it's going to be. It has to be a liquid, a drink, or it has to be some kind of sauce. Right. Um, and we're, we're trying to name it just so we could use the name. It's called Zeus juice. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we, we haven't figured out what we wanted to do yet, but we want to get something on the menu where we can call it with Zeus juice. Um, right. But when, when you were doing this character, when you were doing the Rolf character and then even Hercules's grandmother, and you were mm -hmm. picking out things that you heard or you experienced or you saw, um, right. Did it go like deeper than that? Were you just trying to, you know, um, I don't want to say pay homage, but like, you know, you, you obviously want to show where your roots are from. You know, you want to bring those past experiences and, and those experiences you've had with your family. Sure. Um, was that always on the forefront of your mind whenever you think of a character or was it just specific characters? No, that's a really good question. Um, it, no, you do. I mean, I remember, you know, the moments with Hercules's grandmother. It's like where there's touching moments. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, even in, the, in this comedic cartoon where, you know, she's kidnapped by the evil guy. It was played by David Kay, did the voice of that one. Um, you know, and she would, he would, he, she would do something and he's like, you know, uh, old lady, sit back and just let, and then, and then she was like, you're a very mean man, <laughs> you know? And it's got this ingratiating, just sweet old lady thing, just giving him crap back. Mm -hmm. and, and all those care, all that was, that was my grandmother. Although my grandmother was nasty. You didn't want to cross my grandmother. Greek, <laughs> Greek grandmothers just, yeah, you could, you do them wrong once and it could take them years, but they will figure out a way to return the favor. Oh man. I, it like Greek and grudge go hand in hand. Is that what you're saying? Oh man. Just this lethal, lethal. Yeah. <laughs> um, when, when, when you would do these characters, um, do you see something in your head when you're doing these characters or are you just picturing what this character would do at that point? Uh, pretty much what they would do at that point. And, and like I say, uh, the most useful tool, I think, I think most act voice actors would say this is just having a, a vision, an mm -hmm. image of the character uh, right away, you know, kind of what you're dealing with. Um, sometimes it, they, they tend to go against type sometimes. And my first big series was uh, something called the Roswell Conspiracies. And I played this massive kind of ghost hunter, like FBI kind of agent okay. who was huge, but it was just my normal voice. So, and I don't have a deep voice. So uh, st still to this day, I'll look at the cartoon as well. Yeah, that, it almost seems a little off, but it fits for some reason. So they, they knew what they were doing. But uh, typically the, the sketch of the drawing is your ticket in. Now, what is it about that? Is it just like, is it easier to see? I mean, when you get a picture and a description, what are generally the descriptions yeah. like? Do they just give you bullet points or? Sometimes it's bullet points. Sometimes they say, you know, a, okay, they start off easy, male, age, and other times they'll throw in like uh, sound, sound alikes. Like, you know, he sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger, sounds like Steve Buscemi or uh, Joe Pesci or something like that. Sometimes they want to go that route. And other times they just <clears throat> give you a description. It's like, okay, he's a grizzled army guy, um, has seen some horrible things. And it's like, this is more of a video game description yeah. of things that you would get. And then you got to go, you got to go there in your mind. Right. Mm -hmm. Now uh, what, what's easier for you to slip into? Is it, is it that, that voice acting role? Cause I know you, you've done video games too, correct? Yeah. Now yeah. is it, is it generally easier to slip into somebody that's more cartoony than something that's probably playing off as a more serious role, like the, you know, like the army guy you were saying, or. I love doing accents. I've always, I mean, I started doing stand-up. That's how I started getting into the, the whole entertainment industry was doing stand-up. Yeah. But even as a kid, I would do impressions all the time. Um, watching 
show. This is again dating myself, but way back the Carol Burnett show, Rich Little Show. This is like mid seventies or early seventies, mm-hmm. where I was like you know five or six years old, but I would watch these shows and I'd do impressions of you know. I was six years old doing like Richard Nixon impressions, not knowing who the hell he was and <laughs> confusing kids in the playground. Like, why, what is he, why is he doing? What is he doing? Um, but for me, accent is it. Anytime I can slip in an accent, I'm, I'm going to do it. What's your favorite accent to do? Um, I, well, I love New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just got off of a shoot where um, I played a Louisiana attorney and they kept saying, hey, no, yeah, can we have less acts? And I kept trying to sneak it in. Because um, <laughs> when you have a line like uh, when the word by you is there, how can you not How can you not slip into this when you're saying a word by you? It happens. Yeah. And they just run it less. I'm like, all right. I mean, and, then I, and then I have a role coming up where I get to throw on uh, you know, a thick New York accent. And the second you do that, the hands start flying. You know, it's a whole body thing. And um, I, I find the physicality, I can't stop moving around like that character physically when I'm doing the voice. That's why sometimes when you see some behind the scenes things of, of people doing voice acting, mm-hmm. they're, they're moving, like they're yeah. moving and shaking. Now, have you, ever, have you ever watched, you know, the shows you've done? And then, especially when it comes to cartoon and animating, do they ever pick mannerisms from you? Or if, can you tell like, oh man, that's for sure how I hold my hand or how I, how I accentuate. Yeah. I did one um, called action man years ago and we did the, we did the voices. And the first time we saw the computer generated characters, Mm -hmm. they looked amazingly like ourselves. Yeah. Um, Mine had slightly longer hair, but it was essentially very close to what I looked like at the time. And it was like, wow, cool. And, and they intentionally came into the studio and filmed this, uh, attempting to grab those motions. Okay, so a lot yeah. of times they will do it intentionally. Now, when they do that, do you have to wear anything special? Like you always see the little green dots on people or do they just watch? No, they just, they just watch. That's uh, like a um, motion capture is what you're referring to where they actually physically grab. They generate that digitally on a screen and use your actual movements. Um, one funny one at years ago, I got to, I was reading for the Godfather video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it was coming up and and so read a bunch of the characters i, I thought i was going to go for um you know pacino's character and i was like nah and then i sunny's character came up i think pacino's character was was already taken mm-hmm. and then i thought oh i'll try sunny which is um james Kahn. so i worked on it worked on the mannerisms and it was a motion capture voice combination so you you yeah. know um so then i went in did it and it went quite well and they're like wow yeah that was really good so then I waited and waited and then finally called my agent because I hadn't heard anything. And, and he goes, uh, he calls him, gets back to me and he goes, yeah, you didn't get the role of James Conn because they gave it to uh, uh, James Conn. So they gave it to him. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, all right then. Yeah, I guess he would do better than that than I, than I would. I guess he plays himself better than I would. Plays, yeah, yeah. I see where you're going here. Uh, <laughs> it's a, that was a fantastic game. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was a, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time was The Godfather. Um, oh, yeah. And I wanted to be in the mafia. Before I knew what the mafia was, you know, my grandpa, great guy, but he showed me movies like Goodfellas. Casino, yeah. There Godfather, you go. You know, so I used to think because I'd pretty much fall asleep, you know, 15 minutes into the movie when I was younger. And all I ever saw him do was eat great looking food, play yeah. cards, 
played domino. So I was like, ah, I want to be in the mafia too. Yeah. Um, you know, I did, I did four or five years of Italian in high school. Sadly, can't, it's not like riding a bike. You can get back on and ride a bike. If you don't have anybody to talk to, you know, I yeah. can understand and pick out some words and kind of, you know, get through some things if I can sure. see. Um, but the whole intention of me watching uh, or going to Italian class was I didn't have to watch the Godfather in subtitles anymore. That's so um, funny. Yeah, but it, I mean, great four years, but it's like, it's four years I'll never get back unless I, you know, actively go back and try to get into it. It's a good um, story. It's a good yeah, story. <laughs> yeah. uh, but when you were, when you were saying you got into the industry by doing stand up, who were some of your, who were some of the guys you looked up to guys and girls you looked up to as far as comedians? I mean, early on, early, early on, when I was very young watching it on TV, uh, I mean, you go back to Lucille Ball, like I say, Carol Burnett was unbelievable and Tim Conway on the show because that was like a, the first kind of a, a variety show that I'd seen where I was like, these funny people got to play different characters, yeah. different sketches every night. And it was like, oh my God, that's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And then heading into that, um, you know, the early days of Saturday Night Live, is the Belushi's and, and all those guys. That was fascinating to me that you could play these hilarious characters and switch them up. <clears throat> but when I started actually doing stand up, I mean, guys at the time, Paul Reiser, Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Jay Leno, mm -hmm. um, uh, George Carlin, all these people were around and they were like, uh, the late 80s was kind of like a comedy explosion. Yeah, boom. You know? mm -hmm. So, um, they were just comedians everywhere. And there's dozens of them. I remember growing up just watching and just, just love, I just love watching it. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm a huge comedy buff. Um, who's on your Mount Rushmore? You Mount to, Rushmore? Yeah. If you had to pick four. Oh, I'd say Lucy. Okay. I'm going to go two females here because I think Lucille Ball and, and Kara Burnett are, are there. Mm -hmm. They have to be. Yeah. Um, and as far as the males go, it's like, uh, you know, Bill Cosby before he did the raping, yeah. you know, before <laughs> yeah. that, before, if we could go back in time and cut it off there, comedic, if we just want to talk about him comedically, because we certainly don't want to talk about him now, no, no, no. Comedi comedically, he is a genius, Yeah, you know, at the time, the groundbreaking, incredible stuff. And I don't know it's almost like i almost you know, i almost have to answer this question but you know decade by decade because i think it changes but oh yeah when you go when you go back some of the groundbreakers you know the, like lenny bruce i wasn't young i wasn't old enough to be able to see him before my time mm -hmm. but groundbreaking stuff yeah. same thing with um richard pryor uh, it's it just stuff stuff we never seen before eddie murphy raw i remember me and my friends putting that tape in and just don't, we couldn't breathe you yeah. know you look back at it now and it's like wow it, it's certainly not appropriate for today's standards but at the time, we you know we thought it was one of the funniest things we've ever seen. You know, so decade to decade, you see changes. I think, um, yeah. and necessary changes. I mean, there's stuff that comedians talked about, you know, in the '50s and '60s, and uh, Don Rickles to this day, yeah. one of my favorites. Politically correct now? Hell no. But at the time, hilarious. Yeah. Um, and and it, hilarious for decades and decades. I had the, the pleasure of seeing him in Vegas. I think two or three times. Uh, prior to him passing away and it was we loved it you know it was I just love uh, stand-up of, of pretty much all kinds but people that do like character stuff is, is something that I've always been drawn to like Robin what Ro sorry uh, Robin Williams who yeah. I got the pleasure to improvise with a couple of times when he was filming up in Vancouver years ago yeah 
and he used to drop by one of the clubs that we all used to perform and do sets at, and he would just drop in and, mm -hmm. you know, he'd turn around. And it's like, Oh, hello. Mind if I do a set? <laughs> We're like, yeah, I think we can fit you in. I think we can fit you in. I think we got some space. Yeah. I think we got some space. All, all time favorite actor of all time was Robin Williams. Uh, I mean, one of the yeah. first comedic movies I remember seeing was Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Um, and then we just shy of a 10 year old son. And we just showed it to him uh, two months ago, three months ago. Yeah, and we're just sitting there, and I'm dying laughing. And he's looking over. He's like, "You think this is funny?" And I'm like, "Listen, you're my kid for sure, but I am going to get rid of you." <laughs> There's some things he laughed at, but it was just it's 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 in a day and age where everything is CGI'd now that it does. Yeah. Like I guess most kids just won't look at it and be like, "Oh man, they did something revolutionary here." I mean. Right. It was a mask, but you know, I like that old school, that Rick Baker, that monster maker. I like that, that style. I don't like everything's got these little green dots, you know, the scene. No, no. It just doesn't seem as real. Um, and then going back to the comedians, uh, I do think it's, it's, it's better to do it like decade by decade or era by era. Um, yeah. Because yeah. if you look at any stand up today, and it's just my personal opinion. Nobody is beating Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, or Chris Rock off the top. No, no, no. And you, you've hit, you know, the, the, the three royalty. Yeah. Actually, just what, like two nights ago, we were watching uh, Chappelle on uh, my next guest need, needs no introduction. Letterman's yeah. Netflix. Uh, it, was, it was great. It was great. Yeah. It's it phenomenal. And he truly is. Yeah. It's incredible. And, and again, it's disappointing that these guys have, done what they've done but louis ck yeah again prior to all the shit it's just brilliant comedian you know and it's unfortunate that uh, their past took a horrible turn because um you know you look back and there's some brilliant talent there but it, of course it's eclipsed by the, 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 the later activity you know yeah i mean it, it's 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 so crazy how one and i'm not you know diminishing what anybody went through for anything. Cause there's some stuff out there that, you know, we haven't, right. this was horrific, yeah. uh, but it's just crazy how one horrible thing or one, I just didn't think, or one, I was like, oh man, I was just thinking of something else. Well, one, yeah. One example that was Michael Richards from Seinfeld when years ago yeah. he was at the laugh factory and then he, again, he was, the crowd was kind of interacting and stuff. And, and then he fired out the, I think it was the N word. Yeah, he repeatedly, and, and and then it was one of these, you know, what were you thinking moments? Um, but yeah, that cost him severely, and um, yeah. again, just bad, bad decision. I don't, I don't. This happened a while ago. I don't think he's. I don't know him personally. He doesn't seem like a bad person. I think he was trying to be funny with interacting, and obviously, he went terribly wrong. But like, like you say, sometimes there's just bad decisions that are made along the way that can be very costly. And then just today and age, everybody's got, you know, one of these damn things. They can record you at your worst possible time. Well, um, yeah. I mean, if I, yeah, when I was in high school and university, thank God they didn't have, you know, everybody had a, a smartphone where you could record everything. Everybody just, would be locked up right now. Hey, well, yeah, because we everybody's an idiot at some point. Obviously, there's a fine line where it goes from idiot to incarceration, you know. Yeah. Um, but we've all done stupid things. Yeah. I mean, it's just the nature of the course, but we also got to have it where, you know, people have done stuff that's wrong, you know, mm -hmm. to an extent, there's some things you just can't come back from and people just right. won't accept murder being top. You know, I don't think I could ever 
trust anybody that possibly, you know, that have been accused of and then found guilty of raping somebody. Um, but, you know, to an extent, there's got to be some kind of, you know, forgiveness. Even people that go to jail, they do their time, yet they're still looked at as that felon. You know, nobody, everybody, you know, is quick to forget some stupid shit, but they want to hold on to some stuff that they paid for type of thing, if that makes any sense. And, and, and like, and like you said, in this day and age, there's no room for, there's very little room for error. If you, Everybody's uh, perfect, right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh-huh. it's a, it's a tough environment, even comedically. I have a lot of, I don't do as much stand up now, but I mean, there's a lot of comics I know that obviously used to do jokes five years ago, even yeah. that can no longer do those jokes. Not that they were vicious or mean, but content wise, even if you're introducing the subject, people are like, whoa, 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 you can't, you can't do that anymore. Now, when, when you were starting out, when you said, cause you said you started out doing stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously things have severely changed. Um, yeah. And I still feel like comedians have, they're like the last of the, the last of the Mohicans, if you will, the last kind of people that have that freedom of speech, you know, regardless yeah. of agree with it or disagree with whatever the comedian is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, like I said, they're the last frontiers or the last on the last frontier of that freedom of speech. Yeah. Uh, when did you notice that that's starting to like tick in into, you know, cartooning and stuff like that? Did you ever notice that or, um, that, that it went from where, uh, sorry. To, uh, so, so like you guys were very free to do right. a lot of stuff back in the nineties, eighties. Mm-hmm. When did you start seeing that bleed in for you, at least that, that we're like, we got to ring this stuff back in. This is a little too on the nose. We can't say that type of stuff. Ah, okay. Um, I'd say, you know, I don't know, maybe, I mean, I may say 10 years ago, seven to 10 years ago where um, I would, I mean, I did a lot of accents. Like I was saying, I love accents. So I'll do an Asian accent or an East Indian accent or a Greek accent or whatever it is. And, and for me, I, it, there was never any will behind it. Yeah. And, and for me, my personal barometer for doing an accent was, am I putting this person in a demeaning situation yeah. uh, because of uh, the ethnicity mm-hmm. that, that, that they have? So I never in my mind, never did that. I, I, I had very few, if any complaints about accents. Sometimes people would ask out, Hey, what you did. And I said, and then I would explain it. Oh, okay. So I had very few issues, even though I did a lot of characters, you know, um, I think it's how you do them. Yeah. You know, if it's, it's like, you know, Oh, this person's this. And, uh, Oh, that means they're good at math and they can't drive because they're this. No, yeah. that, that, that's bad. Yeah. But if you, but I would tell a story where I, oh, I ran into this person and then, and then this is, this is, I just become them and then come finish the story. And I just find that it, it colors the story better and lets me draw um, the picture of the whole thing to the audience better. So uh, I, I don't think I was offensive and, you know, yeah. uh, um, that's kind of my style of stuff. I mean, you, you can only do so much and you can only do what you can really do at the end of the day. Um, sure. Sure. I, I mean, just me being the <sighs> way, I mean, I don't, I don't have an issue with anything really. I mean, yeah. Um, as long as everybody's nice, I mean, it doesn't really seem, and it's, it, it's a difference between, uh, we have to be nice or, you know, busting balls type of thing. Cause I think that's what a lot right. of people go after. Cause mm-hmm. if you see half the stuff that me and my friends sit here and talk shit about to each other, you would think we really hate each other. Um, so just t- like I said, taking that, taking that little insight or taking anything out of context is yeah. really, you know, really bad, but just to segue. So we get out of this, uh, murky yeah. waters, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. 
you said you like doing accents. Was there an accent that you just could not get or it took you so long to get? Mm, South African. Yeah. Up until up until District 9 came out, you, you didn't hear a lot of South African. You heard it occasionally. Mm-hmm. And it's a very strange one. Uh, until the actor, and I always screw up his name, Chartreau. The guy who that was the main actor in uh, District 9. Chartreau. I have to look it up because I keep screwing up his name. Um, but yeah, the second that movie came out and it was set in South Africa and he's like, well, you know, you got the, the prawns here, right? And that, that popping sound that you hear, right? That's the, the baby prawns, you know, cooking in the fire. And, it, and it's like, sometimes when you can't get an accent, you hear somebody do it and you're like, ah, that's the code breaker. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> You know? So I tried out, uh, when I got out of the military, I tried, uh, I'm looking up this guy's name now. Uh, sh- shit. Char- Charlto Copley? Charlto Copley. Yeah. Right. Um, sorry if you're watching. I'm pretty sure you're not. You're, uh, you know. No, he's, he's a fantastic actor. But until, like I say, when you, you actually heard it at, at length, that's, like I say, it's code breaker stuff. Yeah, well, it, it's funny you say code breakers. So when I got out of the Navy, I was, I was told I wouldn't really be able to do much. Cause I got hurt. I got a little hurt. Okay. Uh, you know, so I was told, Hey, you're probably not going to want to do the profession you're trying to do, which was cooking at the time. Okay. So I was like, okay. And then I had some friends that were in the computer industry. And this is when I found out I was really stupid. Um, I tried computer classes and, right. uh, just nothing clicked at all. Right. And then you start bringing in, I would see pieces. So I would see like one and two, I wouldn't see that plus sign to see what right. they wanted me to do or that equal sign. Okay. So it's always funny hearing somebody say, I couldn't get this because it's a piece of code or a piece of right. shit. I went through the same thing. I couldn't get it because one, I don't know computers. I don't care about computers. Um, and two, I was missing that this number equals this number. Right. Um, is it just as hard? When did, when did you start doing that South African or when did you start trying that South African and how long did it take you to really nail? After seeing the movie, I, I think I could do authentic enough version if I had to do it for a character, say in an animation thing. I mean, I'm not a hundred percent on it because it's a very difficult accent. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes you hear combinations of accents and those are really hard. I remember being in Scotland a few years back on a film and I went to a comedy club there and there's, uh, I, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but it was this East Indian comic mm-hmm. who had a thick East Indian Scottish accent. Ooh. And I remember other people were laughing at his jokes and I was just listening, just going, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And it's like, I can't do that. I can do one and then the other, but I can't combine those two. They're, they're <laughs> opposite spec. It was just the strangest uh, thing to hear. It was really cool. Now, I, I don't know if it's just me, but like whenever I talk to somebody and if I talk to them long format, um, especially face to face, like I'll pick up not so much their mannerisms, but yeah. I'll find myself yeah. doing like almost mimicking, right? Sure. Um, when you meet somebody that has an accent, will you? Do you have to like subcon or consciously say, "Hey, don't, don't try to do this voice," or is it just even flowing? Or how does that work? Oh, I know. I log it. I mean, I'm going to steal that shit later <laughs> down the road. I just in guarantee, guarantee. Yeah. Now, it, have you ever caught yourself like if you're talking to somebody that's like, say, you're talking to the or talking to the attorney from the Bayou? Um, right. Have you ever just started? speaking like he speaks to him or is that something um or her you know uh, socializing afterwards sometimes these conventions yeah it just yeah. i remember we were on the 
on the floor at Dragon Con a few years ago. And, and for, for whatever reason, I was dressed as the hand solo, but we were decided we we're going to talk Scottish for the rest of the night. So that's what we did. And, <laughs> and certain people would hear it and they're like, oh my God, that accent, listen to that. <laughs> but like, every time you convince somebody, it was like you'd score a point, right? It's like, oh, okay, all right, we convinced them. Let's keep moving on. How often do you order in a different accent when you go through a drive through or anything? I don't do it too often. No? No. I, I've done it before. No. Not, not for a while. That's you fun. Have, you have kids? Yeah. Did they do that painting behind you? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what this was? was our daughter's uh, birthday from uh -huh. about two, three years ago. Okay. And all we, we it's a big canvas and we cut it up into squares and all her friends came in and they got a square and they did a certain piece of art for her on that oh, square. So it's a pretty cool piece of art. That's awesome. Um, when... Obviously, you guys uh, read to your kids, I'm sure, like mm -hmm. most parents do. Did she ever look at you whenever you try to do a different voice and say, Daddy, just do regular voices? Or was she all for the voices? She liked them. Sometimes she didn't. And then she, I did a bunch of Barbie DVDs. And, and you know, my wife would go, oh, Kreider, that's, that's data. And she's like, no. <laughs> no, it's not. So she'd get upset sometimes. Like, no, 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 no. Especially if the character was a little bit mean. She didn't like the association that I was doing that character. So oh, that's sweet. Bro. Um, I should, I'm going to have to wrap up soon here. Cause I've got to run. My battery's going to die, but I can plug in if we want to go a little bit. Nope, nope, that's perfectly fine. Cause I got to get my kid to karate here just a little bit. So we'll yeah. end with the same question. I always ask everybody when yeah. it's all said and done and you've taken this microphone for the last time and pushed it up. You know, mm -hmm. When you hear the term edit and Eddie or Rolf, mm -hmm. what thoughts come to your mind or what emotions come to mind? just laughter if yeah. i had to put it one word and that's us laughing mm -hmm. the fact that everybody else thought it was funny that's icing on the cake oh. did we die but oh. like yeah any, anytime you get to go to work you know anytime you get to go to work and at the end of the day you're going wow that was that was a great day and, and it doesn't feel like work mm -hmm. you're in a good place no matter what your profession well i can't figure or say any better way to wrap it up at that point man I've been a fan of you and this show for so long. I really appreciate everything you've done. Uh, where can people find you or where can they find out if you're working on something new that we can plug and push people towards you? It is peterclamus.com, but I've been revamping the site for a few months and my it'll be up again very soon, but it's peterclamus.com and uh, I'll do updates. Everybody think follow me at Peter Kalamis on Twitter and at Peter Kalamis on Instagram. Nice and simple. Uh, and I usually post what I, what's coming up uh, on those two platforms. All right, man. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. Thank this you. Peter. This has been at In My Head Pod. We are out of time and we'll catch you down the road. Thanks again, Peter. I really appreciate it. You have a great day and stay safe. You too. Take care. Thanks, brother. Thanks again for checking out the What's In My Head podcast. If you're digging what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating. That will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button, tell a friend, and I'll see you guys and gals next week. Good night.